So again, as Greg mentioned, my name is is Durr. I am the new church planting resident. And it's still hard to believe that we are uh, uh, finally here and we get to call you all our new church home, our new church community. And as some of you know, I was finishing up my studies in California this past summer. And on the day that we left California, I was finishing my final, final exam. And I clicked submit, and then we got into the car, and then we started to drive across the country that very day over the next four days. And it was awesome and intense and beautiful and stressful all at once. And so uh, we're stoked to be here, yeah, to be here uh, now with you all. And so I've been regularly attending uh, the, the services here for the past five or so weeks and gotten the chance to, to meet many of you and uh, gotten the chance to hear some of your, your stories and your, your journeys and your passions for this community and even uh, beyond. And I got to say, it is uh, both humbling and exciting to see the different people that God has brought to the River Life Church uh, community here. And um, uh, not only that, we get to, we get to uh, go through life together here. And if I, if I have to say, in my 33 years of being around, I have found few things uh, more important, uh, more crucial, more life-sustaining than a community of people who, who knows our uh, joys and our, our wins and our hopes and dreams, but also who knows our, our struggles and our losses and um, our grief. And so... Um, but we get to live that out together uh, in community, and so and we get to grow together, and that's what that's what I'm looking forward to. So, and uh, this this kind of growing together in community that I've been talking about is essentially what the church is, right? When 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 many of you even maybe this morning when you when you talk, told yourself I'm gonna go to church this morning, it, it's probably easy to think of church as the building. Or, or the meeting place, uh, church as uh, the, the lights and, and the, the sound and the music and the production, or, or maybe some of us think of church as a place of, of do's and, and don'ts. But I, I want to challenge us this morning to see church as something uh, far richer and far uh, greater than those things. Now, the church can, can take on some of those forms, but fundamentally, the church is a community of Jesus followers who are empowered by the Holy Spirit to bring forth God's love and God's work in the world. All right, let, me, let me say that again. The church fundamentally is a community of Jesus followers empowered by the Holy Spirit to bring forth God's love and God's work in the world. And so the church is, is you, the people, uh, the community, not the building that we meet in. And so we're just going to keep adding to this uh, working definition of church as we continue this morning. Well, we've been in a series called uh, I Believe, exploring the theology of the Apostles' Creed, where each week we explore a key section of the creed, uh, and if you've been tracking with us, you might recall Pastor Greg uh, mentioning how a creed is a statement of faith, um, and uh, it's basically, in our Christian context, it contains the core fundamental uh, 
tenets of what Christians believe. And this particular creed that we've been studying, the Apostles' Creed, can be traced back as early as uh, from the, the first or second generation after the time of Jesus. So that's pretty far back in, in the scope of, of the whole church history. And this creed or this declaration of faith is important for the church today because it summarizes who God is and what God has done for us in Jesus Christ and what that means for us today as the church. So with that, let's, let's dive in this morning. Um, I'm going to have the, the, the creed pulled up on the screens and you guys can feel free to follow along or if you want to read along with me, uh, we'll start this morning by reading the Apostles' Creed together. So here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. So there it is. That's the Apostles' Creed. And the part that we're going to be looking at today is this phrase, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints. Now, before we go any further, let me just clarify um, some of the language here, because some of you may have grown up in a, in a church setting where you heard this creed recited as the Holy Catholic Church. Um, and this might sound like the Roman Catholic Church, but it's actually not. It, it's not the Roman Catholic Church, you know, the one with the, the Pope and who wears the robes and the priests with the collars. Uh, it's not that. But here, the word Catholic originally just meant a universal or whole church. And so this is an example of how language changes over a long period of time. Catholic just means universal, and that's how we've chosen to, to translate it up on our screens. And so with that, to, to better see where this language of the creed came from, I'm gonna invite us to turn to the book of Ephesians. We're gonna look at chapter four, verses 11 through 16, so if you have a device or you have a Bible, want to pick up the Bible in front of you, I invite you to turn there with me or you can follow along on the screens. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. So... All right, let me uh, me read this for us here. Verse 11... So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature 
attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So the, the, the key, kind of the foundational section of this passage that we just read is that Christ himself gives the, to the church the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists, pastors and teachers. These are different roles or offices uh, given to the church in order to equip the church. And this equipping was so that the body of Christ may be built up. And so we see Jesus as the source, as the giver of these resources in order to build up what is called the body of Christ. Now, what, what is that? What's the body of Christ? Uh, this phrase, the body of Christ, is a, is a common metaphor in the New Testament uh, used to describe the community of Jesus' followers. So this meta metaphor places believers as the body and then, of course, Jesus as the head the command center, the place where executive decisions are made and then implemented. And so this image of the body and the head, <clears throat> excuse me, is clearer toward the end of our passage in verse 15. It actually reads, it just kind of states it plainly. It says uh, in verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. Now, if we, if we relate this passage uh, back to an earlier verse of the chapter, we see that there's one universal body. In, in Ephesians 4, 4, a little earlier, we read that there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. And so since there's a single body of Christ that means all believers everywhere through space and time are connected to Christ as its head. So therefore, what we do here at River Life as a church flows down from Christ. Our mission here at River Life ultimately is the same as every church, as another church in South America, as a church in Germany. We share the same mission and ultimate purpose. Now, our mission statement might be specific to our culture and our uh, social context, but ultimately all churches get their purpose from Christ, the head. And this affirms the Apostles' Creed's statement on the universal nature of the church. It's not that Jesus has two or more bodies out there in the world, but rather there's a single body of believers, and believers everywhere through space and through time 
from generation to generation are united under the headship of Christ. Okay, and so within this, uh, the first phrase of the Apostles' Creed that we've been looking at, there, there's still another word for us to, to look at, the word holy in the statement, holy universal church. Uh, so to dig into that word holy, we're going to look in the uh, Ephesians in verse 12 of the passage that we're in, and I'm just going to uh, point it out to us here. You don't need to turn there, but it says, uh, we read that Jesus gave these offices, the apostles, prophets, and evangelists, to the church in order to equip his people. And that phrase right there, his people, in the, in the original language of the New Testament, is a phrase that can be translated as um, holy ones or holy people, or it's also where we get our word saints from. Saints simply means holy people. And here, holy, I just want to be clear, holy doesn't mean that, um, you know, we're all perfect or that we're all good and none of us ever make mistakes. That's not at all what holy means because um, I think 100% of us fall in the category of mistakes uh, and and things like that. Um, But here, holy means set apart for for God. Uh, Holy means uh, pure, free from uh, blemish, um, set apart for God's purpose. And so even though... uh, here, the holy people or saints in our passage is only referred to once. In the, in the entire book of Ephesians, it's referred to 14 times to uh, point to God's people as, as holy. And even the start of the, the letter, the book of Ephesians, addresses God's people as to God's holy people or the saints in Ephesus. And so the, the, the church is declared holy and addressed as saints because they belong to a holy God. And so when we profess, back to the Apostles' Creed, when we profess faith in the holy universal church as part of the Apostles' Creed, we are saying that we believe Jesus has called and has gathered one universal group of believers called into purity and set aside for God's purposes. We believe in the holy universal church. Okay, that was a lot. Let's move on to the, uh, where it says the communion of saints, the second part of, of this phrase that we're looking at today. And the two, they kind of, they kind of overlap. They kind of um, say a similar thing, but they each kind of say their own unique thing as well. So here, here's the difference. Where holy universal church refers to uh, the people of God everywhere through space and time connected to Christ as the head, so it kind of draws this vertical relationship. Um, the communion of saints, on the other hand, uh, makes the connection from believer to believer across space and time. It's a vertical connection. So we're connected to each other. So as the communion of saints, we have a single and common end goal in Christ. We are called to reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and to grow, mature into Christ's body. This call to maturity is, if you look closely, it's even negatively contrasted with an image of a baby uh, in verse 14. And this is where I kind of have to step aside and ask myself, uh, did, did the Bible really just make a negative contrast with something so innocent and as cute as, as a little baby, you know? Um, where, I mean, I mean who, who doesn't love 
babies, right? If that's, if that's you, don't raise your hand right now, please. <laughs> but, but, you know, we all love babies, unless, unless you're a parent waking up every night at 3 a.m. changing diapers, then maybe you get a break from that. But, but we all love babies. But we know that even babies will eventually grow. That all things, if healthy, all things in creation grow. They're designed to grow. As the church, the communion of saints, we are called to the same thing. We are called to see ourselves like a physical body interconnected to one another, interdependent on one another, supported by the ligaments and the tendons and the muscles and the veins that hold us together. So this means that you, River Life Church, here in the 21st century, you are connected to a church in the Middle East from the 3rd century. And, and, and that church in the Middle East in the 3rd century is connected to another church in North Africa of the 12th century. And with this interconnectedness as the body of Christ, we journey together through space and time from generation to generation with all believers everywhere. So yeah, it's, it's very, very big. Um, and now, with all that I just said, the inverse or the reverse relationship is true also. So if one part of the body uh, or one member is not healthy or um, as verse 16 in our passage today states, uh, as each part does its work. If one part is not doing its work in love, then the rest of the body can feel that and as a result, we can suffer. And so in our own lives, we all know what this uh, can mean when we're, when we're physically sick, right? What, what sometimes starts off as um, a cut on your, on your hand, you, it might get into an infection, and now your body's trying to fight that, and your temperature's rising, and you're losing your appetite, and the next thing you know, your body is going down this downward spiral. The other parts of your body uh, is affected by one unhealthy part of your body. And so as, the, as members of the body of Christ, we have this kind of impact, this potential impact on one another for better or for worse. And so, um, and here's another key thing. We're not meant to just nourish ourselves in isolation. That's not how we're designed in this body, right? To just, to just for me to just read scripture just for myself or to come here and to worship God and have just this awesome one-on-one -on -one, uh, uh, experience with God um, or to serve God downstairs or in the coffee just so that I feel uh, rewarded in myself, right? That's not how we were made. Uh, in fact, we have a key role, or I would even say an obligation to nourish the other, that someone else's gifts and strengths serve the purpose of nourishing me, and my gifts and strengths exist to nourish you. And so this vertical connection that we all have as believers everywhere through space and time that's what it means when we say we believe in the communion of saints. Now, I'm looking at you all, I'm reminded I am in a Hmong American 
congregation, and I love it. I know not all of us are Hmong American, uh, but many of us are, are second generation, third generation. I'm a 1.5 generation. Um, and as we sit here, it would be good for us, it'd be right for us to acknowledge how we stand on the shoulders of the first generation Hmong American church that came before us right? They sowed seeds. They put in labor. They stewarded us to be here today as the church, the generation that followed them. Right, so that's for the, the Hmong American folks in here. But whatever your ethnicity, your, your racial background is today, um, all of us should recognize and should be humbled when we realize we, we all stand behind 2,000 years of church tradition and church history that leads back to Jesus Christ himself. And so somehow all of these churches have done their jobs to impact us today, and we get to impact the generation of churches that come after us. So the body of Christ and its interconnected nature is so much bigger than just our local single generation meeting here. And what this means is that Jesus is the head of the first generation Hmong American church, just like Jesus is the head of River Life Church. So what does Taken together, all, all, all of this from the Apostles' Creed that we've talked about, what does all of that really mean for you? What are you supposed to do now, now that you have this knowledge of the Apostles' Creed? Well, maybe there's some of us um, here newer to the church where uh, you, you just recently started to, to visit um, and you're still not quite sure. You're still not sure what this whole thing is about. And, and maybe you've even thought to yourself, is, is, this, is this it? I, I, I give up my, my late Saturday nights so that I can uh, come here early Sunday mornings and um, have some uh, mediocre coffee and, and receive these, a lot of smiles and handshakes from people I don't really know. It, it, like, is this, this it? Um, it if, if that's you, my hope is that you will have been stirred from God's word today that you would begin to see uh, church as something so much more than just this, this momentary experience that we have on Sunday mornings. That more than the coffee and the snacks and, and the lights and the production, that by being here and by choosing to, to continue to be here, you are interweaving your life and your journey with the community that has existed for 2,000 years. And it's my, my, my prayer that uh, as you uh, enter this community and remain in this community, that you would begin to receive concrete forms of renewal and hope and new friendships in your life. And so, yes, this whole big thing we call church, it does take place on Howard Street at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, but it is not limited to what happens in this space right now. Maybe others of us have been attending church for as long as we can remember, and, and, and maybe you've been uh, a bit overly focused on your own spiritual growth, kind of like how I was talking about before, like we're not designed for that. 
but, but I'm not talking to people who have been through a, a difficult season and they need to do self-care. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about some of us who we've been going to church for years um, and, and we remain in this place where it is just about me and my worship of Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. Um, and if, if that's you, I want to gently address that today. And the only reason I know that exists because I used to be that person, right? I used to be the one who came to church because it was just me and Jesus. And my worship was just me and God. And I hardly looked out at people around me and, and, and asked myself, what do my brothers and sisters need? And so that's how I know that that kind of mentality exists. Because if we're all honest, I think all of us at one point uh, was there. Um, and so, but if that's, if that's you, I, I want to encourage you uh, this morning to trust that Jesus is the true head of the church. And that means that you truly are connected to every other believer here and across space and time. And that what you do then not only impacts you, but also everyone else around you for better or for worse. And more than your own independent uh, well-being and growth, I want to challenge you that the more you give of yourself to others, that you would begin to experience more life within the body of Christ. So, Practically, this might mean that you start, you start serving in a church ministry. You start giving your time and your energy to, to, to this church here or another uh, community uh, church out there. Um, it, it might mean that you start tithing and giving of your financial resources, um, that, you know, entrusting that Jesus is the head of all churches, that with your, with your tithes that you would be investing in uh, the body of Christ being built of now and for all future generations. Uh, this might also mean that you start considering the needs of those around you as even more important than your own needs, that you start to stand with people in their time of loss or grief, that you start to carry uh, some of your friends or your family members or life group members' burdens and even some of their sin issues and some of their struggles, that you begin to be present with them in those times. And, and I, I know that we can never fully be responsible for the, someone else's actions or the actions done to them, but we can always be responsible to them, be responsible and available for them. And so that's what I'm calling you to do today. If you've been a believer in Jesus for a few years, I want to encourage you to take that next step uh, and that next step of responsibility to serve other believers around you who are the same members of the same body that you are. And now, finally, for, for some of us, maybe, maybe, maybe you've been in that difficult season. Maybe you're the one in need of other members of the body right now. And if this is you, I want, I want you to know that you belong in the body of Christ that there are people around you who love you, who care for you, and that more than that, that Jesus loves and cares for you because you are his body and Jesus loves his body. So Jesus loves you if you are in need right now. And if this is you, 
I wanna make myself available, Pastor Greg will be available, uh, his wife Peng Fua is available immediately after the service for prayer or just to express need. If that's you, be reminded that you are surrounded by the body of Christ today. So we wanna make ourselves available to you in that way. And now, at the beginning of this sermon, I was expressing all my uh, excitement and thankfulness that I, I get to be a part of this amazing church community, uh, River Life Church. It's, we just feel like we, we share so much in common in our, in our journeys and dreams with this community. Um, but you know, when, when I said that, to, to, to really draw out what I really meant, I really, really meant that I am so thankful that it's all of you who will eternally impact me and my journey and my faith as I step foot into this community. And I pray that as Jesus leads me that I would also get to do the same with you and for you as well. That together Jesus calls us to do this for one another, that his body would be built up as the holy universal church and the communion of saints. So we're nearing the end of our time. Uh, what we've been doing at the end of every sermon is um, to, to, in this series, uh, at the end of every sermon in this series, is to invite those who, upon hearing this message, or even before maybe you've already agreed to the Declaration of Faith in the Apostles' Creed, want to invite you to stand up at this time, and if you agree with this message on the communion of the Holy Universal Church and the communion of saints, invite you to, to stand and recite uh, the Apostles' Creed all the way up until the part that we studied today. Um, and so once we, we have it on the screens there, we can recite it together. Here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of saints. Amen. Amen. Let me close us in prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you, God, that you are the God, the creator of all of us and of this world that you have put us in, Lord, that you have done amazing things through your son, Jesus Christ. God, that through him and through his, the cross, God, we have a renewed and a restored relationship back with you, our Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, that as a result, we are now we belong to you, and that means we belong to each other, God. And so I pray and I give you thanks, Lord, that you would continue to be with your church, with your holy universal church, your communion and your body of saints here, God. Meet us here, Lord. Continue to draw us to one another that the world would know that you have come, Jesus, for salvation. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.